Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. You got a promo free show yesterday, so today you shall be punished with copious promotions and some fantasy discussion intermingled, sprinkled in between. Welcome, foolish mortals. To Fantasy NBA Today. For Tuesday, January the 18th, we are officially past the halfway point, trucking along best we can during this NBA season. COVID protocols no longer such a massive force. What did I, I think I might have been off by a little bit. I think it toward the end of December, I said I thought it'd be about two weeks and it, it looking like maybe it's more like three. But we're back into regular injuries again, as expected. And so the strategy has shifted. How did that work out for you guys? Remember right around the turn of the year, I said, look, this is, this is the moment you can stay in front of everybody else and start pivoting away from streaming three or four roster slots and try to grab some of those guys that were coming back and looking pretty good. I think it's worked out all right. There haven't been that many options. Not every league had a bunch of guys dropped in it, but... There were certainly a few, and uh, more shifting, plenty of shifting coming out of yesterday's Gigantor MLK Day card. Quick bit of news here before we dive into our first promo of the day. Uh, Miles Turner, diagnosed with a stress reaction in his left foot. He will be re-evaluated in two weeks' time, which means probably not back in two weeks. But I'll say this, Twitter's had a very different reaction to this than I have, meaning when they heard stress reaction and evaluated in two weeks, Twitter immediately, at large, said this is devastating. And from a trade deadline standpoint, I actually do kind of agree, because the trade deadline is just a little over three weeks away. It's going to be very hard for the Pacers to move a big who might not be back on the other side of the trade deadline. I'm sure he's going to try to show teams that he will be, and maybe that's one of the reasons they said only two weeks on the re-examination. But the fact that the number is only two weeks, to me, signifies they don't think, the Pacers, that is, they don't think this is something that's going to last the rest of the regular season. If they thought this was going to take a really long time to heal, they'd have said, we'll evaluate him in a month. Our job here is to read between the lines and try to figure out Is this number low because the Pacers are trying to convince themselves and other teams he might actually be back after the trade deadline, or is he actually not going to be gone for all that long? My guess? Four weeks. Two weeks reevaluation, they're going to need a little bit more time. Another week evaluated, then he's getting closer, and then he plays like a week after that. That's my guess here on this one. Best guess. But that's basing the... The, the guess is being based heavily on the fact that the two-week first eval suggests to me he's not that beat to hell. The other massive response on Twitter to this is that everybody apparently needs to go pick up Goga Batadze. I don't think I agree with that one. We've seen this before. Goga can be pretty damn useful when both big men are out. But when only one of them is gone, it has not at all been a shoe-in for playing time. In fact, his most recent ball game is probably the ultimate Goga Mirage. 
I don't remember, and I'll have to go back and check, but I've got to think that Sabonis or Turner, surely they've missed a ball game at some point this year, right? Miles Turner's played in 42. Demonis Sabonis has played in 43. Okay, well, <laughs> there you go. So not really. Pacers have had how many games so far? 44. Okay, so they have missed a game. I don't remember exactly when they did. I'd have to figure that one out. How do you go through and... That's actually kind of difficult to go through and figure out when a, a particular player missed a ball game. When they haven't missed very many. All right, well, well, we'll try to do it here. I wasn't planning on doing this on air, but now I gotta. I feel like I got to figure it out. Maybe the answer is just to look at what Goga's game log looks like. Maybe that's the answer. I thought it would have been the game he played 21 minutes uh, back in November, but they were actually both healthy for that one. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know which game Miles Turner missed, which two games he missed. I don't know which one game Demonis Sabonis missed. But the simple fact of the matter is that you can't go back through Goga Batadze's game log and figure out the game that Miles Turner or Demonis Sabonis missed. That is actually the overarching point here. If we could spot it quickly, because you know one of the games that Miles Turner missed, and, and Goga actually played well in the last one, but going through the other ones, Goga's biggest minute per game or minute output games were the second game of the season and then uh, blended in there in the middle. There were like a couple of, you know, 15s and 20s. There hasn't really been any kind of correlation between his bigger minutes and the very few games that the Pacers big men have missed. There was a game, I think, where Miles Turner was in pretty significant foul trouble and Goga played more. But it just isn't at all a one-to-one -one correlation until this most recent ballgame against the Clippers team where he got going a little bit. And here's the other thing. I know that, I mean, maybe I end up being wrong on this one, but it sure would be fun to be right. Goga's not a good shooter. He has a pretty good block rate. Per minute block rate. I will give him that. Last year, he averaged 1.4 blocks in only 13 minutes per game. He's out there and he's swatting shots. But everything else he does is not good. He's not a good three-point shooter. Career 22 percenter. Very few of them. He's not a good foul shooter. Career 72 percent. Not that he's going to get there all that often. Not horrible for a big man, but certainly not a positive. He doesn't pass. His steal rate is, uh, we don't even really know, because he hasn't played enough minutes to know for sure. And then this is the thing that really blows my mind. He's a big man who shot 7 for 9 in his most recent ball game to raise his season shooting mark to 39%. If you take out yesterday's 7 for 9 effort, he's way down there at the bottom. Like, he's a big man who is a, a pretty strong extreme negative force on your field goal percent. The only thing he does well is block shots. His rebounding is fine. It's not superlative. It's fine. And the fact that Demonis Sabonis is not the big man who's hurt means the one you'd need to wipe out to actually go get some rebounds, he's still out there. Sabonis is the guy going to get boards. I am very much not in the Goga Batadze market. Every analyst on planet Earth has said, go pick up Goga right now. He's not starting... I don't think, unless they go up against a team with two really big, big men on the floor at the same time. 
And I, I firmly believe that yesterday's game against the Clippers, that might be the best game that Goga plays with Miles Turner out. I don't think he's very good. I didn't mean for this show to be a bash Goga period, but I'm just seeing like almost 100% of folks saying to go pick him up, and I'm not on board with it. I'll, I'm happily, I will happily be the other guy. I mean, you might see more Tory Craig. You might see more O'Shea Brissett. They might go very small, play someone like Karis LeVert or Justin Holiday, power forward for stretches. Justin Holiday was pretty close to the cut line. Get him an extra couple of shots. Get him an extra rebound, because he doesn't do much of that. Chris Duarte. Was a big beneficiary yesterday. I would lean towards any of those guys before Goga. I don't think you can trust him. I certainly wouldn't use him in a Roto Games cap format because you can, I mean, he might get seven minutes one ball game. I'm not on board. Anyway, uh, hi, everybody. I'm Dan Bespris. You guys probably know that already. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D A N B E S B R I S. And of course, follow the single greatest fantasy news feed on planet Earth, our buddies over at Sports Ethos and the fantasy feed Ethos Fantasy BK. Just piling up followers over the last couple of weeks since we started telling you guys about it. Ethos Fantasy BK, the fastest, the fastest and most detailed fantasy feed on planet Earth. That doesn't count as my first promo of the day. My first promo of the day is one that I actually haven't done to you guys in a while. It's not for one of our sponsors. It's the request to please rate and review the podcast. I haven't done that to you guys in a while, huh? Yeah, see, it's about that time. If you have an opportunity, please go drop a five-star review on Fantasy NBA Today. I think you can actually do it on Spotify now, which I don't know that you could do before. You can definitely do it on iTunes. Please do. Please do. Uh, we're up to 751. Uh, I'd like to get to 775 before this season is over. I think that's a pretty reasonable goal. I might need some of you to take a friend's phone and do it on that, but I shouldn't because there's still plenty of you that haven't done it. So please go out there, review the pod. Uh, it's pretty easy to do on a computer. If you're in iTunes, you just go to the podcast tab and search for Fantasy NBA Today. If you're on a phone or a mobile device, it's kind of a pain in the butt. You have to go into the podcast app, Search for Fantasy NBA Today. You can't go into the show you're listening to, which is so dumb. You have to go to the search, punch in this name, click on the show title, not the recent episode title, the show, and then scroll all the way to the bottoms. You have to go find it hidden there. But please do drop a five-star review on the pod. That's our first promo of the day. With your help, we can continue to roll up reviews, and then it makes it easier for folks to find us going forward. We got a lot to review from yesterday. The big MLK Day card after spending a... A needless, needless, I don't know, some need, 10 minutes on a Miles Turner injury that might only be three to four weeks. I know, not exactly a game-changing kind of thing. Uh, start at the beginning, start at the beginning. Pelicans were in uh, Boston, taking on the Celtics, and there was really almost no news at all from this ball game. For the Pels, you got a slightly better game out of Devontae Graham, but he's not a guy that I'm a, a fan of on the fantasy side. For Boston, Dennis Schroeder continues to play well as long as Marcus Smart is out. So maybe you get a little bit more on that one. Al Horford did a bit more with Time Lord out. Robert Williams expected back for their next game tomorrow. And then nobody cares about Grant Williams. Moving on! That was an easy one, huh? 
Charlotte's pretty easy as well. No LaMelo ball for this one. He was dealing with a cold. Cody Martin, who was already sort of teetering on the brink of streamable, missed two of his three free throws, and that otherwise, that ruined what was otherwise a pretty good ball game. I know he didn't shoot that great from the field, but 9.7 boards, four assists, a block, couple of three-pointers. That's a lot of good stuff there. He will slide back into a smaller role as LaMelo returns. I don't know that you have to start him. And by the way, Kelly Oubre cleared protocols. He's questionable due to conditioning, so the whole thing for Cody Martin's about to explode anyway. New York side. Uh, I do have some thoughts. I think Mitchell Robinson is startable right now. Nerlens Noel is back on the shelf again, which is just flat-out ridiculous at this point. Um, I was going to sit on him, hoping that he was getting healthy and could play 22 minutes a game. I don't know that you have to, just given how hurt he's been. But Mitchell Robinson, you do. Alec Burks had a bad ball game, but he's otherwise been very good in the starting lineup, so I would hold on to him. Julius Randle has to be better. By the way, that's as far as it goes in terms of nine-cat guys. Not Emmanuel Quickly, not Quentin Grimes, not R.J. Barrett. He's been a little better lately, but not a nine-cat guy. Not Evan Fournier. If you're thinking about anybody on the Knicks from the nine-cat perspective, a stash of Kemba Walker might work out. A stash of Kem Reddish might work out. I don't think that either of those has a better than 50% chance, so I'm probably not doing them, but at least they're out there. And I'd rather, frankly, I'd rather take a shot on one of those guys than some of these dudes on the Knicks like a Fournier, who have shown themselves to just sort of not have it this year. And Julius Randle doesn't have it this year. Man, I almost gave up like a top 45, top 50 guy for Randle earlier in the season because I really needed him for a punt big man build. And man, I'm glad I didn't because he is now outside the top 100 on a per-game basis. Yeah, I know by totals he's fine because dude barely ever misses a ball game. But he's slid all the way back down. All the problems he had the year before, they're back again. His passing has... I know he's had five assists, but it's not as good this year, and maybe it's the personnel around him. But more than anything, his percentages have tanked. And I don't think they're coming back. Not with the shot selection he's at right now. He's not getting anything near the rim. Lots of jumpers, lots of three-pointers. Mike Breen kept making a point on yesterday's telecast that... 50% of Randall's shots were from outside. He's got to be better. You could probably buy a little bit low on Julius. I just don't know that you're going to get him low enough because whoever drafted him probably did so in the 40s, and they're just going to be pissed, and they don't want to sell him at that big of a discount. I did not see Washington blowing out Philadelphia on the radar. I thought this would be a better ball game. Bradley Beal came back, and he was fine. He was a little bit rusty. Not uh, surprisingly. And then everybody got involved on the Washington side. Some of that was the blowout stuff. Like, most of these guys only played 27, 28 minutes. Beal got a couple extra. But they just played really well, and then they spread it around. Kuzma's been on a good run. He's top 50 over the last month. I think if you can get a guy around that marker, you do it. Because there are small challenges to Kuzma's reign as the power forward there. He's not going to lose his job, but Rui Hachimura is slowly ramping up. And the Wizards now have three centers that they're trying to sort through. Those guys are all either healthy or getting healthy. Montrez Harrell, Daniel Gafford, Thomas Bryant. It's a mess out there. And frankly, here's what it comes down to with Kuzma. He's shooting over 50% over the last month. That's not going to hold. The blocks are crazy high. The rebounds are crazy high. There's just stuff that's going to level off for him. And even if you think some of the good stuff sticks, top 50 is kind of a best-case scenario. Even if for short-term, for long-term, it's not going to 
It's just not going to be there. So, yeah, go see if you can get, like, a top 60, top 65 guy for him. I don't think you can. I'll probably run some polls on it on Twitter to see what his real value out there in the community is. But he has a buzzy name. Former Lakers, they always do. Uh, in terms of the guards and wings, you can pretty much drop them all besides Bradley Beal. When he's around, Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't get to do enough. KCP doesn't get to do enough. I'd rather have KCP when Beal's around because at least he does kind of other things. Dinwiddie needs to be able to do the stuff that Beal is doing. So when Brad is out, Dinwiddie makes that giant jump forward and maybe you hold on to him in Roto, so you could drop him in there in between if you're in a particular head-to-head build, I guess. But all those guys have fallen back into a streamer bucket. And then you got to figure out the center spot. Daniel Gafford was in foul trouble dealing with Joel Embiid. His eight minutes are probably going to be, I would guess, a season low. But then you got Montrezl Harrell, who played well, 18-7 and seven in only 21 minutes. Thomas Bryant at 15-5 and five in only 16 minutes. That number has been slowly on the rise. I'm starting to think that Thomas Bryant might be the guy who does actually take the center job. I was wondering if they brought him back because his defense isn't as good as Gafford's, but offense does seem to win out in the modern NBA, and Bryant is better offensively than Gafford. He's a little better defensively than Harrell, but not by much. I don't actually know what shakes out here. I'm guessing the Wizards would love to get rid of one of their three centers, get some value for it, picks, whatever it might be. Which one it is, I don't know. If you can still stash Thomas Bryant, I think I might consider it on the possibility that Gafford gets moved before the deadline. I don't know if Harold can get moved. I think he can. I don't think he, I don't know that he will. But someone if, that you've got to figure they're going to clear this thing out because a three-headed monster at center is a, is a total mess. Right now, none of those three guys is startable. No question about that. So the plan here is, from a fantasy perspective, we're trying to figure out which of these guys ends up with value after the trade deadline. It's probably none, the most likely outcome. Like, if you're choosing four possible outcomes, does Harrell, I guess it's more than four because you could have combinations of guys, but let's say, does Montrez have value after the trade deadline? The answer is probably no. Does Bryant have value after the trade deadline? Probably no. Gafford, probably no. But then if you're asking... Does any of the three have value after the trade deadline? That's probably like a 50-50 shot. We did some of the math on yesterday's podcast. This is a similar thing where it's like, look, if any of those three guys has value after the deadline, then the answer to the question, will any of them have value, is yes. Each one individually, the answer is probably no. But if you, you know, if you ran a simulation three times, At some point, you're going to get the thing that's a lower probability to happen. All that to say, I don't have the roster space to stash these guys, but if you do, Bryant and Gafford, to me, are the more interesting ones among them. Because we know Montrez needs a lot of touches. Because it's all points and rebounds and field goal percent for him. He's not going to do defensive stats. Free throws are usually going to be a negative. He just needs more. Gafford can get there the quickest, and then Bryant has sort of the the even-keel fantasy line among the three guys. Cleveland beat Brooklyn 114-107. Kyrie Irving was very, very good, and they got a few more road games coming up. But the story in this game, I thought, was LaMarcus Aldridge, who played 23 pretty good minutes here in reserve behind De'Ron Sharp. But LaMarcus will take that job back. Nick Claxon's still out. 
and I've been preaching this for a week. As Aldridge continues to get dropped to the waiver wire, I kept saying over the last week, he's going to get healthy. He's going to shake COVID. He's going to shake the foot thing. And he was their starting center before all of this stuff went down. He will be again. If you can get him still after this better ball game, I think you do. LaMarcus. Nothing on the Cavs side. Literally nothing at all. Uh, the Brooklyn thing, or I don't want to spend too much time on the Brooklyn thing, but you guys know, I think by now, I don't, like in this ball game, Sharp and that was kind of it in terms of the, the others that had a, a better ball game beyond the Stars and LaMarcus Aldridge. And that, to me, is is the issue here. Everybody, everybody kept asking me, hey, what about Sharp? What about Mills? What about Kessler Edwards? What about Cam Thomas? I was like, look, if you can start them at home when Kyrie Irving's not playing, yeah, that's like probably a 50-50 proposition that any one of those guys has a good game at home. On the road, it's lower than that because Kyrie led the team in usage. He took 23 damn shots yesterday. You take those off the board for Kyrie... And all those other dudes just don't have enough to do. Drop 23 magical shots back into the bucket, and all of a sudden, any one of them could grab five or six of those and have a fantasy-friendly ballgame. Patty Mills going from 10 shots to 16, he would be a start. Kessler Edwards going from 8 shots to 14, he'd probably be a start. Check out our buddies at ThriveFantasy.com. Prop up, friends and confidants. Prop up with ThriveFantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. Because you want to win money. That seems like a pretty good reason. All you got to do is check out a list of props at ThriveFantasy.com. They post 20 of them in their contest. You pick 10. You got the overs, go over. You like an under, go under. Mix and match. Superstars, not scrubs. Superstars, not the scrubs. If you know what your stars are going to do, you punch it in. And if they do it the way you say they're going to do it, you win money. It's that easy. You don't have to build a lineup. You don't have to squeeze, oh, no, I can't You know, afford Demonis Sabonis at 8,800 DraftKing dollars. Because I wanted, I need to use a, a deeper bench guy to make sure I have that extra 300. No. 10 superstars, you pick them, and you win. And using our code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, you get a 100% deposit match bonus up to 100 bucks on your first deposit. And contest entry vouchers. You get a two of them with just a $10 deposit. I love that idea. 10 bucks in, you get the $10 match and a pair of $20 contest entry vouchers. So 60 bucks in playing for only $10 deposit. You can do a $100 deposit. You get four contest entry vouchers. It's not quite as great a percentage gain, but you're getting then 280 in your account for a $100 deposit. I just love the idea of putting in 10 and ending up with six times that to play with. I guess additional five times that. Total of six. 10 bucks in. 60 bucks of credit at thrivefantasy.com using promo code ethos, E-T-H-O-S. I'll post the links on Twitter today. I promise. I forgot yesterday. Check them out. Thrivefantasy.com, the Thrive Fantasy app. Let them know who sent you with that promo code. Next one. Memphis swarming right now. Although Chicago, look, they're a little shorthanded. So 
This one wasn't exactly a fair fight. Uh, Io Desumu, another big ball game here filling in. I continue to have some issues trusting him, but I'll admit when I was wrong on this one, I did not think he was going this big. I also thought Lonzo Ball might play in this ball game, so I got that part wrong, and thus the whole premise by which I was deciding who to stream was off kilter. When Lonzo comes back, I do think that a lot of what Io was doing ends up falling on Lonzo, which is sort of the do-a-little-bit-of-everything mold. But seven defensive stats is very hard to ignore. You might as well just stream him as long as guys are out. And it does seem like Zach Levine's going to be out for a little bit. The easier one, the easier one to not worry about, I think, is Kobe White, because he's going to get the shots when these guys are out. And you guys know me. I don't care that much about points. But if you get shots, if you're getting usage, other stuff is just kind of a bonus. And with no Lonzo and no Levine, that means that some of the assists are going to fall on White's shoulders. 16 points, 6 boards, 5 assists. He had 4 three-pointers. If he had a defensive stat, this would have been a really good ball game for him. But you can stream both of those guys as long as both Levine and Lonzo are out. And when Lonzo comes back, you can probably reassess for a day if you wanted, because Levine's out for probably a couple of weeks. If you don't want to roll the dice on it. But I think Kobe White probably does fine until both of those guys are back. And uh, DeSumo, I don't know. I don't know. That one's a tough one. You know, watching him play, he was just sort of getting himself involved in a lot of different ways. Seven defensive stats, though. That's that's crazy. That's obviously not going to keep up either. On the Memphis side, sort of the same old story. I'm, in, I'm really enjoying what Brandon Clark is doing. I think he would have gotten a couple more minutes if this game wasn't uh, much more of a blowout than the 13-point final score would indicate. Memphis was up about, I think it was like 22-23 with five minutes to go. Chicago shaved it down when the Grizzlies went to their full bench lineup. Um, no real surprises, again, other than for me to reiterate that Brandon Clark's been really good the last month. And if you're not playing him, you just keep missing opportunities. And then DeAnthony Melton is the other one. He did get 15 and a half minutes in this one. He got some time during the blowout stuff, more than I think some of the other guys did. And then they went to, like, full bench unit. And with Melton, it's, it's confusing. At this point, you're probably just hoping he gets traded. Because if he doesn't, he's buried right now. Look, we all know what he can do, fantasy-wise. We know what he's capable of. He puts up numbers real fast. But even the best of them can't do it in 15 minutes. And this was a high number for him lately. So I don't know. If you can squat on him through the trade deadline, you probably try to do it. Grizzlies have a glut of viable players they can roll out there every, every night. So why not try to get something for one that's really not getting the opportunity that he deserves... If he gets moved, he's a possible league winner, which is why you probably do want to stash Melton. But I get it. He's a tough sell right now. And he's not at all roto-startable between now and the trade deadline. Unless something else big happens, like if Tyus Jones goes down, maybe that would get it done. Or if Bain goes down as well, in addition to the fact that Dylan Brooks is already out. I can't start him in roto right now. I almost can't even start him in head-to-head. But you can certainly squat on him. We talked Indiana already. They lost to the Clippers in a very high-scoring game. Uh, would I start Chris Duarte in the next one? Probably not. 
he shot the ball really well. Same story with Batadze. These guys are not going to keep up that level of production. Lavert, Demonis Sabonis, those guys are obvious yeses. And then Justin Holiday is the closest third option in my eye. He's starting to get some steals, the threes and steal combo. That's what he's always been known for. But then as soon as you start to lean into one of these guys, Malcolm Brogdon's going to show back up for how long we don't know and throw a wrench into it. So I'd, I'd rather just avoid the Pacers for the most part, other than the obvious ones. On the Clippers' side, they also had a huge game. 139 points. A lot of guys are going to have pretty good numbers. Amir Coffey was good again. It does seem like you can probably stream him, at least until he cools off. Reggie Jackson finally had a better ball game, although a lot of it came at the free throw line, and I don't think that keeps up game over game, so it's not really changing my opinion of Reggie. Marcus Morris is a guy we said to start. He was good. Ivica Zubats is a guy we said to start. He was fine. Not great, but perfect, actually, from the field. And then Nick Batum was someone I mentioned on yesterday's show. I saw something in him over the weekend where the defensive stats were starting to come back, and he just started to move a little bit better. No one could have predicted this type of explosion, but it sure did make me sound smart on the Monday show. You know, I wasn't sold on Batum because I just didn't know if he was going to get fully healthy, but he does look pretty good now all of a sudden, just moving better, a little bit more aggression. He's a guy I think you probably need to start now because he does it all the way across the board. Percentages, threes, boards, assists, steals, blocks. He's a nine-cat guy, which... Those guys are rare. They don't have to be that good in any one thing if you're just okay at everything. And then Isaiah Hartenstein is the other question mark on this team. He played 15 minutes here. Ibaka only got seven in this ballgame. And if that is the, the shifting tide at the center position, then that means Hartenstein might be one or two games away from having some value himself. So keep a very close eye on that. I don't know that you need to get out in front of it because he might be stuck around 15 minutes for a little bit. But as it starts to push up towards 20, you're going to want to get out in front. Atlanta with a nice come from behind win over Milwaukee. Drew Holiday still out. So Grayson Allen has been a little better, but only six shots here. And that was the fear with Allen. Could he get enough shots in a competitive basketball game? And the answer is probably still no. So go ahead and leave him on the wire. Aniko Kongwu back into the starting lineup and a very productive game. 12-8, and eight, a steal, three blocks, good field goal percent. And again, you know, when a team scores 121, you're going to get good fantasy lines. Herder was better in this one. Hunter was was better again in this one. He took 17 shots, actually did some rebounding as well. If that's a number that comes around, I'll change my tune on DeAndre Hunter. I just don't, I don't believe in his peripheral stats. The shooting, yeah, he's going to take a bunch of shots and his percentages are probably going to be okay. But we haven't seen any rebounding or passing to speak of up until this one. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm still not fully sold on most of these guys. Akong was the one that I'm interested in. Clint Capella expected back by the weekend. So then what happens to Akong at that point? In all likelihood, he probably goes back to about an 18-20 minute roll. But they might try to dial it back on Capella. And if Akong was at 20 to 23 minutes... That actually gets him on the radar in standard leagues. I'm going to hold on there. We'll stream until sort of our hand is forced. And then I keep getting a lot of questions about Herder and Hunter. I'm like, look, ultimately, these guys are going to be on and off of rosters pretty much from now until the end of the year. Do what you want. It doesn't matter. Those are like minimal difference maker types. Portland won again. This game, uh, another one that really wasn't as close as the final score would indicate. 
look, I you know, nothing magical has happened for the Blazers. They're in a spot here where they've got a couple of easier games in a row, but you got to take advantage of those, and they did. Rocco, still good. C.J. McCollum came back. He was pretty good considering how long he'd missed. 16 points, a little bit of other stuff. He'll get better as he settles in. Nasir Little was pretty good. Uh, Anthony Simons was quieter. No surprise there. As the team gets healthier, he's going to get quieter. It's why I said to sell high. Yes, the Blazers might throw this season away. If they trade away C.J. McCollum and don't bring back a, a good NBA player in return, you could probably at that point just assume Dame's not coming back. But the other thing is the Blazers are the 10 seed right now. They play the Wolves on the road in a play-in game. And if they win it, then they'd play somebody else in another play-in game. But like, you can't try to tell me that Dame doesn't believe he could just go bananas for two games in a play-in and get his team into the, the playoffs. I don't know. They just don't strike me as a team that's going to give up, especially if this ends up being sort of the last hurrah for Lillard. There's a lot of different forces at play. Dame is hurt, but he might be done with Portland. Do they trade McCollum? There's a lot that can happen here. And they're still missing Norm and Larry Nance, in addition to the other names. So what do we do? Well, Nurk, finally a big ball game. If you can move him after that one, you probably should. Nasir Little, I would assume he disappears when Norman Powell comes back. So, you know, get what you can out of it. Covington might go to the bench, although he's been so good lately. Maybe he doesn't. But he and Larry Nance are both guys that I would assume play relatively well. McCollum's ramping up. Simons remains a sell high if you can. He'll probably be pretty good here for as long as Dame is out. But it's not going to be at all like the first round stuff we saw over the last week. And then with Orlando, and I don't want to make it seem like I'm blaming Jalen Suggs and all this stuff because he's fine. He's, he's starting to acclimate a little bit to the NBA. But his uh, inclusion, his uh, reintegration into this team has just thrown everyone else off whack. Mo Bamba is slowly ramping up. I think we'll see him in the starting lineup before too long. They're going kind of easy on him. And he had four blocks here, so I'm good with it. Chumo Kiki is likely to head back to the bench at some point soon. He'll be a drop at that point if he isn't already. Franz Wagner is someone you want to hang on to. Cole Anthony is someone you want to hang on to. Terrence Ross and Gary Harris are guys you probably can pass on. Ross for sure. Because Suggs took all of his shots away. Harris at least is starting and still playing 30 minutes. So you could hang on to Gary a little bit longer. Not terrific Roto Games cap type of fantasy lines with everybody else coming back. But he might be okay enough in head-to-head when the schedule settles in. And then Wendell Carter Jr. should show up at some point. But what a, what a cluster mess this is right now. Suggs makes sense as a points league option. And that's about it. Friends, just a couple more reminders here uh, of our buddies over at... Oh, you know what? I told you all about ExpressVPN late last week, didn't I? Yeah, you got plenty of ExpressVPN. You know the the drill at this point. ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball is the link. What I haven't talked to you guys about in a little bit is our friends at Manscaped.com. And it occurred to me, not that you guys need to know that I was cleaning up my neck, but I was cleaning up my neck, that I haven't told you about Manscaped.com in a while. And on a recent pod... First of all, our promo code there is now ethos20, E-T-H-O-S 20, 20% off, free shipping on whatever you get at manscaped.com. The lawnmower 3.0 and 4.0 actually function pretty differently. 
I mentioned this once before, I think. The 4.0 is actually a tighter shave than the 3.0. The 3.0 is the one that never pinches, like a thousand years, never a pinch. The 4.0, there has been one. Not nearly as many as a traditional sideburn trimmer. These are still so much better. But I think because the 4.0, they went a little more high octane. That's the, like, you can get in pretty close on a shave with that bad boy. That one will pinch every once in a blue moon. Barely, though. The 3.0, never. If you guys ask me straight out which of these would I want, I'd probably still get the 3.0. And it's cheaper. So, you know, go get it. Uh, The 3.0 and Peak Hygiene Plan is actually on sale right now for less than the 3.0 by itself. You can also check out any of the other stuff they've got over there. Boxers, t-shirts, travel bags, chapstick, shampoos, body washes, powders, shaving creams, nail kits. I've been using my nail kit. I've been back to picking my nails these days. Maybe it's because we're in a massive pandemic again for a month or whatever it is here. It'll it'll peter out. Don't worry, everybody. We'll be okay. But go to manscaped.com. Use promo code ethos20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order today. Miami got Bam Adebayo back. He was rusty, but he played 32 minutes his first game back. Maybe that Iron Man is ready to go Iron Style again. Just 4 for 12 shooting from the field, which... Kind of put a damper on what would have otherwise been a pretty damn good first game back after missing close to two months now. A little less than that. 14 points, nine boards, couple of assists, a steal, a block. Heavens, if he actually starts to block a shot and get a steal again, that had totally vanished early in the year. So fire him up. No sign of Omer Yurtsevin here. I had someone on Twitter that was like, he's still going to have a role. No, sorry. This is Adebayo we're talking about. This is a... I mean, I'll call him Neil, near all-star level basketball player. He's the guy. And as he ramps up, he'll keep playing more. Jimmy Butler, triple-double. Good to have him back around. Please stay healthy, Jimmy. Please have you, I beg of you, please let, let it be that you've used up your injury games so far this year. Tyler Hero was pretty good here. He's going to fade. We saw this the last time the Heat were healthy. He started in that very high clip, faded from top 60 down to about top 120 ramped it back up when everybody was out. If you can sell on Hero, you do it. And with Toronto, Scotty Barnes back. They went to just a seven-man rotation in this ballgame, which, you know, it's great for fantasy. Siakam, another big one. Boucher, huge again. Freddie Van Fleet, medium-sized ballgame. Even Precious Achua was good again. I'm still not going to give the okay on Achua. I can't. His offense is so bad. He really just cannot score. So you need 15 rebounds and steals and blocks, and he can't guarantee that every night. Scotty Barnes, tough shooting night. Ananobi, same story. They'll be better. Although Barnes was fine. I just yeah, Ananobi will obviously be better. This was the fear with OG. Could he handle the uptick in usage? And remember, remember, I know Captain Buzzkill over here. OG's number 56. I kept saying I thought he was going too early. It was too early. I think he's a little bit of a buy low right now. If someone's frustrated with him, because he'll probably be better than 56 at the end of the season. He's only played in 26 games as well. That was always a fear for everyone on Toronto. They play themselves into injuries out that way. But that was the fear. Ananobi, 
But the percentages get weighed down by a larger role, and they have been. But let's just enjoy the Chris Boucher experience for now. He is crushing it. Phoenix toyed with San Antonio for a while and then finally put him away late. Uh, Devin Booker single-handedly just made this thing a close ball game for three quarters, and then he got some help from Chris Paul, and they ran away. Booker, 48. That's not bad. <laughs> Chris Paul, 15-12, two steals, two blocks. Both good shooting numbers for the guys. Digging it. At the center spot, Bismarck Biombo and JaVale McGee split the center minutes right down the middle. I think Jalen Smith got like two at the end of the ballgame. Uh, but it was Bismack who actually won that battle. I'd still go JaVale McGee. You got to go the starter. Because, I mean, that's just an easier path to minutes. Filling in here for DeAndre Ayton, I'm fine with trying McGee again. I mean, six and eight with a block. It's not bad. It's not good. It's middle pack. On the Spurs, we're keeping an eye on Devin Vassell. He moved back to the bench, but still got 28 minutes. He's going to be a keeper league darling. If you're in a keeper league or dynasty format, that dude needs to be on your team. I don't know that much about dynasty, but I do know that this is a dude who's ramping up. And he's seeing that progression, first year to second year. As the usage continues to climb, the confidence will. He's going to be pretty good. In terms of redraft... It's kind of on the cusp. I would assume that he continues to get more to do as this season goes, but it might not be as significant enough a bump to make him a difference maker. He probably hovers near the edge of the top 100. So I don't know that he's a must-start guy in every format, but he's pretty close. He'd certainly be like the king of the streamers type if you wanted to downgrade him ever so slightly. Dallas almost blew this one. Oklahoma City, Shea was very good. Lou Dort was good again. He's been warming up a little bit. Thank goodness Darius Baisley was awful, so I can stop hearing about Darius Baisley on, on Twitter. Luca triple-double. Porzingis, four blocks. DFS, Dorian Finney-Smith, 17-10. and 10. Jalen Brunson actually had 14-8. and eight. The note on this game that I want folks to take away is that Luca actually turned his ankle late in the fourth quarter. We haven't really heard anything about it. But I'd be kind of worried that he gets a game off somewhere coming up here soon, which means Jalen Brunson, who, and this is the reason, I mean, this is probably the primary reason to hang on to Brunson because his fantasy stat set tends to be relatively empty. He got some steals lately. I think seven his last two ball games, which means he's due to go zeros and steals for like the next four games in a row. But if Luca does have to miss time, you guys know that that's the path for old Jalen Brunson. And finally, a big win for the Lakers over Utah. Stanley Johnson was amazing in this ballgame. He's on his third 10-day contract now, if I'm getting that number right. Uh, Fantasy-wise, you knew Dwight Howard was going to get to do more. They needed him in there against Rudy Gobert, so he had a pretty good fantasy game, and he'll be deployed against large front court types like Gobert. Malik Monk shifted to the bench in favor of Trevor Ariza, which is a move I really didn't understand. Uh, the I don't know if they wanted to put Ariza on Boyan Bogdanovich, and maybe it worked. Boyan had a pretty rough ball game, but LeBron was out there playing some power forward as well. LeBron sort of hovering near Royce O'Neal and then free safetying it a little bit. I I don't know. Lakers got off to such a bad offensive start. I don't I don't know how this 
was the move. Like, why why wasn't Stanley Johnson just starting that ball game? He ended up dominating Rudy Gobert late in the game, who, by the way, had a fantastic fantasy line, but Stanley Johnson t- kind of took him to school. This is a really interesting game. Jazz missed some shots. Lakers missed some shots. But the Lakers' defense was, by and large, a lot better in this game than it had been the previous two or three. Austin Reeves played a big part of that. I think we'll see more of him. Malik Monk, a bit more as a bench gunner type. And I was already talking about dropping Malik because Anthony Davis isn't that far away. But in terms of adds or drops, the only thing I think that is notable is that Malik Monk, 25 minutes off the bench. That's probably still enough here in the very short term. But as soon as AD comes back, you need to drop him immediately. He will not, fantasy-wise, he will not survive that hit to whatever usage is left. But good win for Lakers fans. I'm sure, you know, you know I like the Lakers. Though that was fairly satisfying. And then uh, I also like Rudy Gobert, who had a big fantasy game. So satisfaction all around. Shout out mybookie.ag. Check them out, please. I may have a prize for you. If you hit me up on Twitter, I'll let you know. But you got to hit me up first. At Dan Basperis. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Bug me, won't you? And please do drop a five-star review on the show. Back at you tomorrow. Um, Trying to reset some schedules here. You may have noticed the show coming out a little bit earlier the last couple of days. And I really want to get some guests back on the pod. But that's not your problem. That's for me to sort out. You just do me the very small favor of continuing to listen when the shows pop out. I'm Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. So long.